Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. The book of Ephesians is, is a very, very unique epistle that was written. I just want to take a few moments and share this with you. It's very unique. Of all the epistles that were written, it's the only one where there's not a reprimand in it. Every other epistle, it has something that the writer is communicating to that church. This is a letter that was written to a body of believers, people like you and I, that gathered together at a town called Ephesus. This was a letter written from Paul to those people, just like the letter to the Corinthian church or the Galatian church or the Hebrews or the letter written to persons like Timothy or Peter. The, these, these, this is a letter written, and in all those other letters, there's always a number of reprimands. It's a, he starts always with a blessing and, a, and, a, and an encouragement, but then he says, that, but, I, but, I, but I yet have something against you. you. You're doing this wrong, and you're doing this wrong, or this attitude is mistaken, or, or this needs fixed, but... The book of Ephesians, it's very different because from the first word to the last word, there's no reprimand in it. There's no correction. This was a body of believers who who were getting to the place where they're ready for the good stuff. They're, they're, they're not working through problems. They're, they're ready for the good stuff. They're, they're ready to fully grasp what God has for them. And so Paul writes this letter to them, and he's writing it to them because he wants them to grasp this and know that it's real. It, it's, this is something you can live with. It's not just, not just high-sounding words or concepts that, that are great to, to think about and, and hope for and wouldn't it be nice this is something that Paul wrote that is real. He's trying to get them to understand that this thing can be real. What, what, you, what, you don't un, what we don't understand happened in that video we saw before was, was when Carlos sat down with his guitar, that spot became infused with the presence of God. Jesus said, listen... You've heard it say the kingdom of God is there or here. It's all different now. The kingdom of God is right now, not in the future, not somewhere else. It's right now, right here. The kingdom of God is at hand. He used that because he wanted you to know you could, you could touch it. It's, it's tangible. You can feel it. I, I, those, those religious people who have a problem with us feeling our relationship... I'm glad I'm in a relationship with a God that I can feel Him. I'm not dependent upon the feelings, but I'm glad for the feelings. If I have the feelings, it's great. If I don't have the feelings, I still have the relationship. But I'm glad to have the feelings. I'm glad I can sense Him. I'm glad when things are going well, He rejoices with me. I'm glad when things aren't going so good, He comforts me. I'm just glad for the feelings. And I, I've come to understand in the last few years of my life how the enemy, knowing how important feelings were, tried to, to quench that in me. 
My dad, I, I love him. I, I respect him. I honor him. I'm, I'm glad he made it to heaven. I, I'm glad that one day I'll get to see him there. But he struggled in life. He had pain and issues and, and hurting people hurt people. My dad had this weird concept. You got beat until you quit crying. And so you learn as a kid to just shut up your emotions. You know, you got to, in spite of the pain, you got you to bring them in. And yet God wants us to celebrate our emotions. He wants us to feel him. And so what, what happened in the video was, was Carlos sat down in that chair, and it didn't matter that it's a bad neighborhood. It, it didn't matter anything else that was going on. What mattered was that Carlos was there. He had Jesus inside of him. And when he opened his mouth, he released heaven to everything that could hear. I wish we could see that in the spiritual realm. I, I wish we could see what was taking place. It's kind of like those pictures you've seen of the atom bomb where it hits the ground and there's two responses. There's, there's the, the response of the cloud going up. There's also the response of the explosion going out on the ground. And when you and I as believers, doesn't matter where we are, we begin to open our mouth, I think the same thing happens in the spiritual realm. As in heaven, so on earth. The explosion fills the atmosphere, and the explosion changes things on the ground. That this homeless guy who'd been away from God walked into that presence, and it felt familiar. No words needed to be exchanged. Nobody needed to tell him he was in a safe place now. He could become vulnerable. The hoodie came off, and the cap came off, and he knelt down. There was probably other homeless people around. There's other people that know him, and, and he didn't. None of that mattered because he was in the presence of God. And, and Paul is writing this Ephesian church, and he's trying to get them to understand. He's trying to move them from concept into reality. He wants them to understand that this thing that you have, this this relationship with God, the reality of the presence of Him in your life works 24-7. If He's a God that heals, He can heal you. If He's a God that answers prayer, He will answer your prayer. If He said it in the book, it's a reality in your life. And the only thing that's keeping it from becoming that reality is do you believe it? So he says to the Ephesian church, you guys are awesome. He says that by, by not offering any reprimand. He says, here's my prayer for you now. You have it. You have good hearts. You have good attitude. You, you've worked through the junk in your life. But I'm going to pray that now an enlightening comes. Because there's so much more. I'm praying that there come a, a spirit of wisdom. And revelation. He wasn't saying they were stupid. He was saying that, that wisdom, knowledge is knowing the facts. Wisdom is knowing what to do with them. They had the facts. They knew. They knew what Paul was telling them. What he's trying to get them to do is to move it from mere knowledge into wisdom. It's, it's like the, the, you know, the, 
the Monday morning quarterbacking that will go on tomorrow. You know, we, we old guys will sit back and say, ah, they, yeah, he should have did this, he should have did that. We get winded walking upstairs. And we got ideas on what the running back or the wide receiver or the quarterback should have done. Okay? Wisdom is, is having the knowledge and knowing what to do with it. And Paul says, listen, you guys know this. You know this, but I, I, I want you to walk in wisdom now. I want you to see that what I'm writing to you is, is more than just a fairy tale and wouldn't it be nice. It's a reality. So I pray that your, your eyes be enlightened and, and that you come begin to walk in a spirit of wisdom and that this not just be a, a, a concept to you, but this be reality, that, that it becomes natural. That when you see something, you just naturally respond the way that Jesus responds. Paul wrote another group of people and he said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You just, somebody says to you, I'm sick. You, I got a ladder. Let me pray. Let me, let me pray for you. Somebody here in this church, you know, heard we were moving, and, and he was quick to say to me, hey, I, I got a trailer. The guy moves stuff. He just knows. You just, hey, I got a trailer. I'll, I'll help you move. When you're a Christian, you, you just, your, your knee-jerk response to a problem is, you see it for what it is. The problem is simply there's a lack of God in this situation. They're in bondage? Well, there's a lack of God. They're, they're afraid? There's a lack of love of God. They're, 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 they're sick? There's a lack of healing. There's, there's a lack of restoration. And, and you're the voice of God who sits in a chair and begins to sing your song to the person and God explodes into the situation. And it doesn't look at the outward man, doesn't see the black skin or the dark complexion and the dreadlocks and the, the hoodie and the cap. And It doesn't see all of that. It sees the heart of the man. And it just invades. And as long as you continue to look at the outward, well, shoot, we're in Walmart, or shoot, they look like they're pretty mean, or... There's no telling what they're going to do. If, if you always look at that, then you'll never see the kingdom of God explode. But when you look past that like Carlos did, and just, you know, I, I, I watched that video half a dozen times. I, I cry every time I watch it. I have to watch it a lot of times so I don't cry so much when they show it here so I can talk to you afterwards. But I thought about how many people might have been sitting there trying to shoot their music video and saw some homeless guy walk up and be aggravated by it. Hey, we're shooting a video. Can you move on? When we don't understand that wherever we go, we take the kingdom of God with us. But having it with us isn't enough. It, it has to be released. They, they, just, they just found, you may have seen in the news, they just... There was a release of documents that were dating back into the 1950s. They just found where the U.S. government had lost two atomic bombs in the hills of North Carolina. How many read the story? And one of the, you know, 
right after the war, we were, you know, in the Cold War with Russia, and we were always afraid they were going to bomb us or we were going to bomb them. And so we had, we had planes in the air 24-7 with bombs so that if we had to, we could drop them right away. Well, one of these aircraft with two of these bombs was taking off, and it crashed in the hills of North Carolina, and the government never told anybody. Each of these bombs was 256 times bigger than the bomb in Hiroshima. And there was two of them on board. Think about that. They said the explosion would have reached all the way to New York City. But nothing ever happened. Because they weren't triggered. When you and I open our mouth, the power of the kingdom of God is triggered. And there is no limit to its ability to reach. And, and, and you and I, if we're not... If we're, we're not thinking about this, we think that that was just about that one homeless man. I wonder how many people have seen that video and been touched. It's on YouTube now. You can click it and watch it. I wonder how many backward, backslidden people have clicked on that and knelt down in their bedroom or their kitchen and gave their heart back to God because they saw that God was the God of second chances. I just wonder. You see, but the kingdom of God and the power of that kingdom... The difference between Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the hills of North Carolina is the bomb was never triggered. Thank God it wasn't, but it was never triggered. The difference between your life and what you and I see happen in that video is we've got to open our mouth to trigger the bomb and let the explosion do what it's been designed to do. These signs shall follow them that believe. You know what that means? It means you've got to be going somewhere first. You can't follow me if I'm standing still. Then you're just standing still with me. But when I begin to move, then you can follow me. These signs will follow you if you'll go somewhere. If you'll reach out, if you'll do something, if you'll release the power of the kingdom of God. And so the disciples were brought a child who the father says a lunatic. They pray for him and they pray for his healing. And they can't get anywhere. Jesus shows up and the father comes to Jesus, throws himself at Jesus' feet and said, you got to help me. My son is a lunatic. He throws himself in the fire. He throws himself in the water. He's trying to kill himself. And I took him to your disciples and they weren't able to heal him. And Jesus said, you perverse and faithless generation, how long will I be with you? And he laid hands on the young man and cast the demon out, and the young man was made whole from that very hour. Later when he got alone, the disciples said to Jesus, why couldn't we do that? His answer was, you could have. You'd have had faith. And just a little bit of faith, the faith of a grain of mustard seed. And if you had that little bit of faith as a grain of mustard seed and you would speak to the mountain, there's the trigger. Not sit back and hope, not sit back and wish, not sit back and wonder if it'll ever get any better. If you would speak to the mountain. You know what I've learned about people that are oppressed of the devil or possessed of the devil? You know what I've, you know what I've learned in all, all of my years of ministry? And that is this. The devil doesn't want you to know he's there. Here's what I mean by that. 
this, this individual come up to me and say, man, I'm, I'm really depressed. I'm really struggling. If I'm not careful, I'll say, well, what, what's going on in your life? Because the devil will say, it's not a demon. Don't be so archaic and stupid. It's not a demon. This is 2013. The man has emotional or mental problems. The man's just going through a tough time. What he needs for you to do is comfort him. You know, when I'm comforting him and he's oppressed and depressed, I'm also comforting the demon. But when there's a seed of faith, I say, listen, man, I, I don't, I don't want to hear what's going on. I know what's going on. And you begin to speak it out. My wife and I have never, ever, ever confronted a demon-possessed person that the demon didn't first deny that they were there. And then when challenged, all right, we're here. We're here. You're right. So Jesus said, if you just had faith as a grain of mustard seed, and you would speak, you would speak, that, that speaking detonates the bomb. It releases the kingdom of God. It, it changes the atmosphere. And if you've ever seen an atomic bomb explode, I'd had video of it, but the thought just came to me, so I don't have a video. But you see that it is... Do you know that the atomic bomb it doesn't impact when it hits the ground? That's not what causes the impact. It, it's it's altitude-related. You don't want it to hit the ground because then all of the force of it goes into the ground and you want it to go across the ground. So it's based on the altitude of the bomb. When the bomb gets to a certain height, usually about 500 feet, then there's a detonator inside the bomb that recognizes, hey, we're at 500 feet, release. And so it releases across the landscape. When you and I, we, we, we open our mouth, then that release happens, but it not only happens here, but most of the energy goes up and forms a mushroom cloud. And that's the way it ought to be when we release. We're releasing the kingdom of God so that things that are in heaven are on earth. And what's on earth is in heaven. There's an exchange that takes place. But it all happens when the detonator of your mouth speaks. Just, just before service started, I had God speak to me something. I, I, I want to share it. It doesn't quite fit into the the message, but it's for somebody. You need to not be who others say that you are. It doesn't matter who they are. Never be who others say you are. Don't be who your dad says you are. Don't be who your mom says you are. Don't be who your pastor says you are. Don't be who your therapist says you are. Don't be who your doctor says you are. Don't be anything or anybody other than what God says you are. Get into this book and find out what does he say about me. And he's telling the Ephesian church, listen, this is more than a concept. This is a reality. He says, and here's the reality I want you to grasp. God the Father took Jesus and raised him from the dead. And set him far above every principality and power. 
and he put all powers under his feet. Let's read it. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power, and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. Here's what Paul is saying. God has raised you and I with Jesus and seated us in heavenly places. Do you get that? That's more than just a lofty ideal. That is a spiritual reality right now. What if I told you that one of you in here this morning, I slipped $1,000 into your pocket or your purse. All you'd have to do is reach in and get it. Some of you would say, first off, the dude don't have $1,000. And even if you thought I did have $1,000, you'd say, but he probably didn't do that for me. And that's where the church is right now. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. But I'm so depressed. I know, I know, I know I'm seated with Jesus in heavenly places, but I'm just too concerned about my bills. I'm in a stinky marriage. I've got bad health. Just fill in the blanks. The Bible says that God raised him up. Is that true or not? It's absolutely true. We know this one fact. Jesus was raised from the dead. We know that. That is a historical and spiritual reality. Jesus died. On the third day, he rose again. That is an absolute fact. What raised him from the dead was the Father. And he made him head over all things in the church. He put all powers, all principalities, all dominions under Jesus' feet. We are the body of Christ. Let me put it another way. We are his feet. The lowest member in the body of Christ is above all principality and power. I don't mind being a toe for God as long as I'm for God. Jesus put it this way. You you don't understand. John the Baptist was the greatest man that God had ever... Uh, Walked this earth until now. There's none greater born of a woman than John the Baptist. But those that are born of the Spirit, the least is greater than John the Baptist. Why? You can be a pinky toe for Jesus. (laughs) 
You can be a pinky toenail for Jesus, and you're still far above every principality and power and dominion. Far above. Uh, you know what? The enemy wants you to think, as, as I get ready to close here, the enemy wants you to think that there's some battle taking place between heaven and hell, between God and Satan. The reality is there is no battle between God and Satan. With one look, Satan's gone. There's no comparison. He wants to be like God, but he isn't like God. He will never be like God. This isn't a battle between God and Satan. This is a battle between man and Satan. That's why Jesus had to become a man to win the battle. And he had to go through the worst that Satan had. As he hung on the cross and the sins of mankind were placed upon him, the wages of sin is death. Jesus had to die. He entered into the the bowels of Sheol. He was as dead as they come. He was dead, dead, dead. Satan doesn't deny that Jesus was dead. But then God raised him from the dead and seated him above every principality and power. And here's what Paul is trying to get the Ephesian church to move from their head to their heart. Because as long as it's in your head, it'll stay in your head. But when your heart gets full of something, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The bomb goes off. You think you're seated in heavenly places, but you're not convinced of that reality. You'll never talk like it. But when it gets into your heart and you release it with your words, it becomes a a spiritual reality out here. And the bomb goes off. And so God raised Jesus from the dead And seated him above every principality, power, and dominion. And everything that God did for Jesus, he did for you. For we are crucified with Christ. And we die with Christ. And we are risen with Christ. And we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. And we are the body of Christ. So wherever we go, the presence of Christ is. There'll be some who want to argue about whether they're the topmost hair of God's head or whether they're his neck. You know what? I don't care. I'm just glad. I'll be a toenail for Jesus if that's what it takes. Because even when I'm just a pinky toe, and I got ugly toes, folks, Don't make me take these shoes off. My wife and I were in line. This has nothing to do with the message. I just, I want to share it. It was just hilarious. We were in line someday, someplace here a couple weeks ago, and there's a lady in front of us in line, had sandals on. 
I've never seen nothing like it. I probably should have talked to her, but I was just too dumbfounded. I'm not kidding. Her big toe was more than twice the length of any other toe she had. I mean, it was, it was like that much longer than all the rest of her toes. It didn't look bad. It was all, I mean, toes are toes, you know. But she had regular-sized toes, and then she had one that was like a middle finger. I mean, she could hang from a tree with those things. And it was like, whoa! I wanted to talk to her for a minute, but how do you start that conversation? Those are some big toes. I, told, I said to Gail Beth, I said, why would she even wear sandals if they look like that? And she said, where is she going to find shoes to fit? Oh, well, that's a good thought. What was I saying? Everything that Jesus did, you got to keep me on track here, okay? You're going to sit up front. That's kind of the responsibility of this row. Uh, everything that God did for Jesus, He did for you. At the very same time, we died with Him, we were buried with Him, we were resurrected with Him, we are seated in heavenly places with Him, and God wants that to go from a concept to a reality in your life. And so, when you know that, you don't walk around afraid of death. Afraid of death? Greater is he that in me. Besides that, it is appointed unto man once to die. I've already died once. I'm in Christ Jesus. I I died 2,000 years ago. The same power that entered Jesus to raise him from the dead raised you and me from the dead when we knelt down and gave our lives to Jesus Christ and raised us up out of that pit. There will come a time and sometime in the history, in the future of my life, that this vessel will quit operating, but I'm not going to die again. I will step out of this like I step out of a cheap suit and I will walk into the presence of God forever. I will never die again because I have already died. And if I'm already dead, what can the devil do to me? You know what? The devil doesn't even know it. He's fallen into the, God's master plan. The devil, the, the thing today is about, heard on the radio, you know, Halloween is coming and they were arguing about what's going to be the number one costume and that the announcers all pretty much agreed it was going to be zombies. Listen to me for a moment. Now those of us who are trained zombie killers know you aim for the head. Some of the, some of the more senior people in here are like, he was doing good. Yeah. <laughs> he, He was doing good until he got to this. But listen, (laughs) I'm going somewhere with this. Because the enemy knows 
that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers and things present, things to come. Those are where we wrestle with. He said, and so do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be changed, same parts, rearranged, same truth, move it from here to here, from here to here. Be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. The enemy would like to blow your brains out because he knows that the moment that it goes from here to here, he's in trouble. And every one of you sitting here know that verse that says, we are seated with him in heavenly places. But if you believe that, if we believe that, if we believe that, we'll lay hands on the sick all week long. It doesn't say heal them, it just says lay hands on them. I'm not the miracle worker, I'm just the, 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 the transit. I'm the, the conductor. I'm just, signs and wonders are following me. They're just waiting to get out. And I detonate the kingdom of God bomb over John when I say, hey, it's not the will of God that you be in depression. In the name of Jesus, be free. I've just released the bomb in his life. I'm not responsible to explode it. I'm not responsible for what it happens. I'm just responsible to speak and say, listen, it's not the will of God that you walk in fear. It's the will of God that you walk in faith. And, 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 and in their mind, they'll say, you know, the, the enemy will say, but, but, but this and but that and but this. But, but, but when they ascend to what was said and they believe it, you stand to your feet this morning. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.